0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم dear brothers and sisters and thank you for tuning in to session number 3 of the A Lesson Per Page Qur'an program in which we try to learn from the Qur'an at least a lesson uh, from every page of it and try to point out some of the beautiful points in this Book of Light Alhamdulillah we made it to page number 13 of the Holy Qur'an and so today we will begin with page number 13 insha'Allah. Page number 13 speaks of a very bad deal that some people make. Um, If you are, sometimes you make a bad deal with someone, for example, I don't know, you pay a certain amount of money and what happens is you get something in return that's not worth that much, but at the same time I mean, it's worth something. So, for example, you buy a car for like $30,000, turns out you could have got it for 22000 Okay, well, I mean, you did get ripped off to a good extent, but at the end of the day, you have something at least. That's a bad deal, but it's not the worst deal. The worst deal is when you give something and you don't get absolutely anything in return for what you've given. And so that is what this page, one of the lessons we can get from this page, is all about. We'll talk about that more. Let's recite the verse on page 14. This is verse 86 of Surah Baqarah. It says, fala <laughs> They are the ones who dealt the life of this world for the hereafter. So their punishment shall not be lightened. All right, so let's talk about this a little bit. It's talking about a deal that some people make. And they get nothing out of it. Why? Because it's a full trade. They give something, all of it. And that is al-hayat al-dunya or the akhirah, excuse me. They give the Akhira and in return, what do they get? They get a dunya al-hayat al-dunya. Okay, they buy the dunya with the Akhira. The problem is when you buy the dunya with the Akhira, how long is this dunya? About 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years. Let's say someone lives for 100 years, right? If someone lives for a hundred years, out of this hundred years, how much of it can they really have a good time in? Well, when you're really young, like fifteen, fourteen, ten, nine years old, can't have that much fun. Usually kids that are that old, they don't even have too much money to have fun anyway. When you're too old, you might have all the money in the world, but your your body just can't take it anymore. The, you don't have the capacity to run around and have a good time and party and eat as much as you want, whatever you want and all that. So like in reality, it's probably between the age of 20 to 40, 20 to 50, 20 to 55, 15 to 55, whatever. So out of the hundred years a person lives, really like, unless you're in really good shape, maybe you can get 40, 50 years good time out of it, you know, where you have good time. And at the same time, even that 40, 50 years A third of it maybe goes for sleep. How much of it goes, I don't know, for work? How much of it goes for being in the bathroom even? You know? So how much time exactly do we get out of a hundred year life to actually have a good time? Now now think about it. These 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we're gaining it. What are we giving in return? Eternity and infinity. The Akhira. Right? So you're giving that you're getting this in return question what is the value of a hundred versus infinity forget a hundred a thousand forget a thousand ten thousand a hundred thousand a million what's a million compared to infinity it's like zero it's really absolutely nothing even if a person is going to trade the akhirah for a million years of just good time that million years is going to end and when it ends this person is going to be like hey what happened that was quick you know we've all uh, all of us who are a little bit older we have this moment right or sometimes this midlife crisis of whoa whoa wait a minute here like i was i was young just a uh, a few years ago what happened i was watching cartoons i was having a good time in school and playing with my friends and all that kind of stuff now i got to take care of family i got to go to work all this kind of stuff what's happening you know we have that moment of whoa that was quick even if a person lives a million years that time will come where they'll say oh my god that was pretty quick anyway if you are trading infinity and eternity for something less than that let alone 40 50 100 years then that is a very bad deal that's the worst deal ever Right. So now let's give this verse some context here, okay? Because someone might think, okay, when I commit one sin, I have sold. Does that mean that does that mean that I've sold my akhirah for the dunya? No, not necessarily. Here, there is a context to these verses. The verses, uh, verse eighty six before it, from verse eighty four onwards. So verse eighty four and eighty five. They're talking about a people who shed other people's blood send people out of the cities and exile them don't let them come back you know things like that very bad and grave sins not just your normal everyday sin okay talking about these kinds of people but at the same time these people think that they are people of god right they think they're people of god and so god scolds them he says i'm telling you these are things you're not supposed to be doing kicking people people out of their homes people out of their towns and villages and cities and homes and shedding people's blood unjustly and so on and so forth. I'm telling you, you're not supposed to do these things. At the same time, you feel like, oh, we are people of God, we are adherents to the religion, right? You just have the label of religion on you or else you're not really living up to the religion that you claim to be adherents of. So this is the context and when this is the context in the middle of all this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks to these people, He says to them, Are you believing and embracing a portion of the religion, but then turning away from the other portion of it, like you're cherry picking? When it comes time to collect, I don't know, monetary dues from the people, you're you're part of this religion. When it comes to, I don't know, war spoils coming to you, we're part of this religion. But all of a sudden, when it's time to live up to the commands of God, all of a sudden, what is it? You're, you're, you're turning away from the religion. You're not taking that part of religion. You just pick the parts that suit you, that won't get in the way of your personal interests and your personal pleasures of life. So these people are the people who the Qur'an says, "Ula <laughs> You turned away from the faith. All right, so it's true that you're still taking a portion of it and not taking a portion of it, but that's not how religion works. That's not how faith works. (laughs) When it comes to the faith, you take it all from God. You can't take half of it and the other half, I'm not interested. That's not the faith. That's half of it. That's half of it and half of it's not going to count. It's a package that you have to take in, in its entirety. Yes, if you make mistakes every now and then, you get back up on your feet, you ask for repentance by Allah and so on and so forth. But all in all, you believe what you did was wrong. You can't do things the way you want, neglect part of religion, and then say, Yeah, I'm, I'm still part of this faith. That's not how it works. So, if this is the case, that they are selling their akhirah. For their dunya, who is to blame here? Is Allah to blame here, or are they to blame? Of course, they're to blame. And look at how the, ver- the verse words it. It says, "Ulaika <laughs> dunya. They're the ones who uh, bought the dunya at the price of and expense of the akhirah. They did it. So we can't blame Allah here when it con- when the verse continues and says, فَلَا يُخَفَّفُ عَنْهُمُ الْعَذَابُ وَلَا هُمْ ينصرون, That they're not going to be helped. That they're not, That there's going to be no discount. Right? Their, their punishment, there's going to be no discount there. It's not going to be lightened on them. It's going to be their full force. One hundred percent. Because it was their own doing. They dealt away their Akhirah. Who was the broker in all of this? It was shaitan, of course. The shaitan with the help of Nafs ammara." With the help of those desires that we have, the shaytan comes in the middle, he says, hey, would you be interested? You know, like a real salesman, he'll come in, he'll be like, are you interested in selling your Akhirah for your dunya? The difference is that the is I don't know, it's later on, like right now, we've got the cash right now. Forget credit. we got cash. And the cash is the dunya. Yeah, 40 years versus infinity is like zero though. Why don't you say that part, Mr. Salesman, shaytan? Yeah, so shaitan is the broker here. And what does he do? He takes away the entire akhira. Right? As a result, you have nothing left after this transaction. Brothers and sisters, if you are hungry, for example, okay, you've got like $5 in your pocket, $10 in your pocket, whatever, a little bit of cash in your pocket, you're hungry. If you want to get by, you still will be able to get by. Why? True, you can't get a ribeye steak dinner or something, you won't be able to afford some fancy restaurant food, but you can at least go buy some halal burgers somewhere, you know, for like six, seven bucks for a combo or something. You can still get by, you'll still survive, you'll still be able to satisfy your hunger in one way or another with five, ten bucks. The problem is, these people when they sell away their akhirah, the akhirah goes completely. They've lost their akhirah as a result of their doing. So they won't have anything left in their pockets, so to speak, on the day of judgment. Fala anhum al This, this, uh, the, the punishment cannot be lightened at all. If they had at least five, ten dollars of akhirah money, let's call it, right, in their pockets, at least maybe there was a chance that you could lighten the punishment. Just like that person who has five, ten dollars in their pocket can at least buy a little meal for themselves to lighten the hunger. Right? But these people, because they've sold it all the way, they've dealt it all the way to shaitan and, and to the dunya, what happens is that these people are empty-handed. Their pockets are empty. There's nothing, no, no, no akhira currency and cash will they have to at least lighten the burden lighten the punishment when you don't have anything there's nothing you can do about it if a person has five ten dollars they can buy a meal but what if they have nothing in their pockets they got two cents in their pockets what can you do with two cents you can't do anything you're going to be starving right so this is the problem with selling the akhirah for the dunya now what is the definition of selling the akhirah for dunya it's not that easy to sell your akhirah for the dunya. I'm just letting you know, brothers and sisters, I don't want anyone to think that the smallest sin that one commits equals, oh my God, I lost my akhirah. That is wrong. That is losing hope for nothing. Shaytan wants that from us as well. No, no, no. We're not going to lose hope like that. But there are big things and big mistakes a person can do and make that will eventually end in this person selling their akhirah for the dunya. We don't want it to reach that point and we really we seek a refuge in Allah from, from all of that. Alright, so let's move on to page number 14 now. Page number 14 speaks about people who would ask for something from God, ask for help from God, ask for victory from God, and ask for guidance from God. And so what happens is, when Allah eventually He sends this guidance and help their way, they don't do what they're supposed to do. They don't live up to their end of the bargain, and so they get in big trouble for that. And we have to be very careful about that ourselves as well. Let's recite the verse, and then we'll get into some of these details. This is verse 89 of Surah Baqarah. It says, وَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ كِتَابٌ مِّنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ مُصَدِّقٌ لِمَا مَعْهُمْ وَكَانُوا مِنْ قَبْلُ يَسْتَفْتِحُونَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ مَا عَرَفُوا كَفَرُوا بِهِ فلعنت اللَّهِ على الْكَافِرِينَ And when there came to them a book from Allah confirming that which is with them, and earlier they would pray for victory over the pagans, so let me explain this, the translation is a little hard to understand for some maybe. It says, when Allah would send them a book, okay, confirming whatever they had with them of other books before Islam. Right, And before that, before Allah had sent them the book, earlier, right? earlier meaning before they actually received the book from Allah, they were praying for victory over the pagans. So when there came to them what they recognized, they knew this is what they were asking for and Allah has sent it to them now. What did they do? They defied it. So may the curse of Allah be on the faithless. SubhanAllah. That is legit scary. So the problem is these people of the book, okay, these are people of the book. They are people who have faith in Allah already, okay? Whether they were Jewish, whether they were Christian, whatever they were from before, um, they were a minority when they were living amongst the pagans of, let's say, Medina, okay? And so they were asking Allah, or wherever they were, Medina is just an example, wherever they were, the pagans, the idol worshippers, they were a group and the people of the book, people who adhered to a divine faith and religion like Judaism, like Christianity before Islam, they were another group. And of course, as I explained in previous sessions, these people of the book, they were more educated, they had more knowledge of you know important things because of the blessing of faith that Allah had sent them through the Prophets, right? These people, they're asking God for victory not necessarily in a physical fighting way, but just all in all to, for Allah to give them power, to give them the upper hand over who? The pagans, the idol worshipers, which these people of the book knew are in the total wrong of things. Who worships idols? That just doesn't make sense. yeah. And so they are doing dua to Allah, يَسْتَفْتِحُونَ meaning they're asking for fath. They're asking for some form of victory over the pagans. All right. So now what happens is Allah sends them a book now, sends them a prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sends them guidance. What did they do? Well, they're supposed to do. What they're supposed to do is to do their part now, is to embrace the faith, aid this prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Do their part. What did they do? What they did was kafaru they turned away from it. They defied and denied it. Now, the thing is, sometimes guidance will come your way. And you're like, I'm not sure if this is actual guidance. Here the verse is saying, When that which they knew is truth came to them. They could recognize it. Oh, wait, this is it. This is what we were asking for. It's not like something came to them. They're like, we're not sure. Is this it? We don't know. The Qur'an is telling us, and us Muslims as people who accept what the Qur'an says, because some might say, who are not Muslim, they'll say, well they weren't convinced that the Qur'an was the right book, was the book from God. The Us Muslims who believe in this Qur'an, we see that the Qur'an is saying that no, they recognized it. They recognized it for whatever it was, and so they still defied it. So there's no excuse here. As a result, if it's something that you know and have knowledge of you were asking for it yeah and you still turned away there is absolutely no excuse and justification for that as a result fala anatullahi al الْكَافِرِينَ see this is where the curse of allah is sent upon people brothers and sisters guys like if i am if i'm a person who might suffer from different tragedies in life, things will come my way that are bitter, are sad, are hard and troublesome. I shouldn't just say, oh, Allah has cursed me, Allah hates me. No, 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 That's just life and how the material world works. You want to know when God is going to send His curse upon a person? In cases like these, where people have guidance coming to them, they were asking for it, they're ready for it. And when it comes and they are rec- they recognize it, yet they still turn away. Why? Because of personal interest, tribalism, whatever. We'll have another verse later that we'll get to, where you'll see it's just the, the dumbest, un- most unacceptable reasons for turning away from the faith, Allahu Akbar. Yeah? They turn away from it. That's when la'natullahi ala al kafirin. When the لعنة of Allah is upon them. Right? There's a lot of disbelievers today even, but it's not their fault that they don't know. They weren't born into the faith. And all they see is some extreme stuff out there happening. And the Qur'an being misinterpreted by people. And so they're like, oh, I don't think this is what God wants from me. I, th- I personally believe that God has more love than hate in Him. Well, yeah, and that's what the Qur'an is telling us, but they're just showing you the wrong version of Islam. If we can even call it a version of Islam. Yeah, I'm using these words very loosely right now. There are a lot of disbelievers who are who don't believe in Islam because of these things. So the, can we say, جَاءَهُمْ ma Something has come to them that they have been able to recognize? No. And so who says that necessarily? Now I'm not I'm not going to judge for God. I'm not going to speak on God's behalf. But it's going to take a lot more to prove that God's curse is upon everyone who's non-Muslim even. Right? Some people have tried to find the truth. They didn't find it there. But what's for sure is this right here, what the Quran is saying, that there are some who knew and yet they still turned away, then for sure they're لَعْنَةُ ala al That Allah, His mercy isn't going to encompass these people because they themselves don't want it. Allah is saying here, my mercy is through adhering to this faith, embracing it, helping it. We're not interested. Okay, you're not interested, that means you're not interested in the mercy of God because the mercy of God flows through this Prophet through this book. And so for us, brothers and sisters, what we can take away from this today for ourselves is that when we're asking for something, or even not asking for something, but especially when we're asking for something, when the time comes for that blessing to actually come to us, look, it's not going to come in some gift wrap or something. It will require effort from us as well. We have to live up to our end of the bargain. If I'm asking Allah for a halal living, I have to try my best to find where that halal living lies yes and that halal livelihood lies number one i have to make that effort number two i will have to make sacrifices sometimes yeah i have to be able to I have to be willing i can't be like the bani israel to just sit back and say oh allah send me this send me that i want a good wife i want a good life yeah some will say wife is life all right good for you that's good it's a good slogan to have wife is life. my wife is my life awesome life, wife, husband, I want good kids, I want this, I want that. Well, you have to work for these things and Allah will do His part as well. It's 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 a two-way road here, right? We have to understand that. We cannot be like Bani Israel, sit back and say, let God do everything. True story. Bani Israel did this in the past. The Quran tells us, Surah Ma'ida verse 24, it's talking about when Bani Israel had to go in to the promised land, but they had to get rid of the people there that were... Evil people, of course, and idol worshippers and all of that. If they go in and make the sacrifice, Allah is going to help them, and they will be inhabitants of the promised land. What did they say? They're like, ah, you know what? We're not in the we're not in the mood. Uh, Musa, you're telling us to go into the promised land. Ah, uh, just tell God to go and do it for us. You, you and God go fight those people. We're sitting here waiting. Let us know when it's all done, so we can go into the promised land. Uh-uh, that's not how it works. <laughs> That is not how it works. Oh Musa, We're never going to enter the promised land. فيها, as long as those people are in there that you're telling us to go and get rid of. So you and your Lord, you two go and go fight them for us. We're sitting right here, you know. We're sitting right here checking our social media out until you get, till you, tell you that, let us know when it's all over. <laughs> you know, That's not how it works. If God was going to do all the work for us and the prophets of God were going to do all the work for us, there's no point in coming into this dunya and into this life to begin with. And so we as Muslims have to be very careful. There are rules that God has placed for us that we know through the Qur'an, through the ahadith, through our marajah nowadays that the marajah do that work for us and and derive and extract those rulings from the Qur'an and sunnah, from the kitab and sunnah for us, we know that this is something that I need to do. And then when the time comes for me to live up to that and act upon it, I'm like, you know what, I don't know about this, you know? No, 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 no. Because that will entail uh, Allah's wrath. Because we know and are knowingly turning away from it. But of course, at a lower level, If someone sins, once again, it's not as bad as these people who didn't even embrace the faith to begin with. That is the biggest problem. And we seek refuge from Allah, to Allah from that. All right, let's move on to page number 15. Yes, some will be quote unquote religious and still totally attached to the dunya. What an oxymoron. And what a moron that person is. (laughs) <laughs> you see what I did there with those words alright, so yes, it, it is an oxymoron because why? because a person who is quote unquote religious a follower of the faith of a divinely revealed faith like Islam or like Judaism or like Christianity of course we're talking about the Jews of that time and the Christians of that time those who saw Prophet Esau for example had his book and followed him, or were followers of his religion. That's what we're talking about right now. I don't don't want to worry about the rest. These people who've seen the prophets of God, who are now religious, meaning they follow that religion, you would think that the main message of that religion, or one of the main messages of the religion, which is after Allah, is the afterlife, the hereafter, that they are going to not be attached as much to the dunya. But did you know that there will be some of these people who are adherents to a religion and a faith, sometimes are more attached to, to, to dunya than the pagans themselves who didn't even believe in an afterlife? Like, OMG. Alright, so like who says that's, that is actually a thing? Well, the Qur'an does. Let's read the Arabic and the translation see what's going on here. This is verse 96 of Surah Al-Baqarah وَلَتَجِدَنَّهُمْ أَحْرَصَ النَّاسِ عَلَىٰ حَيَاتٍ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا يَوَدُّ أَحَدُهُمْ لَوْ يُعَمَّرُ أَلْفَ سَنَةٍ وَمَا هُوَ بِمُزَحْزِحِهِ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ أَيْ يُعَمَّرُ وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ Surely you will find them. He's talking about some of the people in the book. You will find them the greediest for life of all people, even the idolaters." Wow! (laughs) Even the idolaters. More than that. Each of them is eager to live a thousand years, though it would not deliver him and save him from the punishment were he to live that long. And Allah sees best what they do. SubhanAllah. Like for me personally, when Whenever I see this verse, it really it sends shivers down my spine because it's like, look, just because you're an adherent to the faith, just because you're Muslim now, just because you have the Holy Prophet ﷺ, you love the Holy Prophet, you have Imam Ali salam, for example, yeah, you say I have wilayat of Amir al-Mumineen salam. All of these things are great and they are fundamental and foundational to everything else really. But at the end of the day, that's not going to guarantee anything yet. you got to work on yourself, you got to do the work. The Imams, the Holy Prophet are not going to do the work for us. We have to do the work. We have to be the ones who walk the walk. No one's going to walk the walk for us. They came and taught us how to walk the walk. But at the end of the day, we have our own legs and we have to make it to the destination. Now, let's talk about this verse. This verse is speaking about some of the Ahlul Kitab, namely the Bani Israel again, and previous verses are pretty cool too. This is this was verse 96 that we read, but the previous verses are also talking about them. They're like, hey, you uh, you really think that uh, uh, the Akhirah is only for you? Like God has set it aside, khalisatan min dun nas. This is exclusively reserved for the Bani Israel, the Akhirah. If that's the case, will mount. Ask Allah for death, so that you can get to the akhirah sooner. You know, don't you hate it when you walk to a restaurant, you find the the right spot, but then the problem is that there's a little uh, sign on it that says reserved. You're like, man, if that's the akhirah for you, it's reserved, especially for you. Then ask Allah for death. You know, so you can go there sooner. No, they're not going to do that as a matter of fact you know what they're not only are they going to not ask for death but they are also so attached to this dunya that they want to live longer here so I'm going to talk about that a little bit but let me open a parenthesis real quick let me open a parenthesis real real quick here here it says if you really think the akhirah, this is verse 95 which is before 96 if you really think the akhirah belongs to you ask for death the verse says That is something that was for them. We don't have in our literature, in our scripture, yes, in Islam, we don't have this concept of asking for death as if it's something encouraged for everyone. Hey people, after your salat, do dua so that Allah takes your life sooner. We don't have such a thing. So I want to make that clear. This is not something um, that is a virtue for us. Even back then, maybe Allah is speaking metaphorically here. Saying like, hey, why aren't you wishing for like at least, you know, having a wish of death. I man, I can't wait for death to come f- you know towards me. You know, that kind of thing. Our grand mystics and scholars, lots of them, if you were to open up their hearts, you would find that they're longing for that that moment of death. Because that is when all the ease comes, all the awesomeness comes, all the pleasure comes for them. So here, Tamanna ulmat doesn't necessarily mean do dua for death. It means it can at least mean, at least in your hearts, there should be some inclination towards death, but no, we don't find that in you. right? So parentheses closed. all right. So that's not something that we do dua for, brothers and sisters, because I have had people ask this before. We don't have this notion in Islam. All right, so um, going back to the main lesson here and the main topic here, these people... Their adherence to this faith, but look, the faith has not done them what it's supposed to. Why done for them what they've supposed to? What it's supposed to? Why? Because they didn't do their part either. You're supposed to work a little bit towards this by staying away from the, the harams, doing the wajibat of Allah, continuing to keep Allah in mind, things like that, reminding yourself of the akhirah. You're supposed to kind of slowly, over a long period of time, kind of detach yourself from the dunya. Understand that the akhirah is something that's worth for, worth working for and striving towards. What has the faith done for you if all you can think about is, oh man, I wish I could get another thousand years and another thousand years of this life. It says you'll find them the greediest for life. Each of them is eager to live a thousand years. So this shows that back then, these people weren't living that long. So that's how much they are, they're in love with this dunya. Alright, well, you would at least expect that these people are less in love with the life of this dunya than the pagans. Because the pagans, for example, during the Prophet's time sallallahu ﷺ, They believed in Allah too. We have so many verses in the Quran that say that they believed in Allah. But the problem was they believed in a lot of other little Allah's too. (laughs) That was the problem. But they, they believed in Allah being the ultimate God. Right? The greatest of them all. Okay? They believed in that. The problem with them was, of course, the shirk and the little gods that they believed in. But in addition to that, the fact that they did not believe in an afterlife. Who is who's gonna? How are they gonna bring us back to life when our bones have disintegrated, right? That was their problem. They didn't believe in an afterlife. So think about it, brothers and sisters. Who is supposed to have more love of of the life here in this dunya, in this world that we're in? A person who does not believe in the afterlife or does believe in the afterlife. Of course, it's obvious. The one who does not believe in the afterlife, you would expect them to be clinging on more to the life of this dunya versus someone who believes in the afterlife. A person who believes in the afterlife, okay, I can understand that they will still be interested in this life. They will still love it. They might even still love it to the point that they want to live here for a thousand years and all that kind of stuff. That's good. That's cool. No problem. But come on, like you should not be in love more with this dunya than a person who doesn't even believe in an afterlife to begin with because they're like, once we die, it's all over. That's, there's nothing. So why not cling on to this life and love this life more? Yeah, you would expect them to have more love, but it's just crazy. It's just mind-blowing that the adherence of a religion that has a divinely revealed book and scripture through their acts and deeds and actions can reach a point where they're so in love with this life such that the pagans are less in love with it. Wow! What does that say to us as Muslims today, as believers today? That okay, you have love of the Holy Prophet you have wulayah of Ahlul Bayt That's good, that is pivotal, that is foundational, that is really the cornerstone of everything. But is it everything? No, the Ahlul Bayt have taught us, the Holy Prophet has taught us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the Quran has taught us. That, yeah, it's true, having the right belief is going to get you to the destination, you're moving in the right direction, but to move, you need Al Amal Salih. You have to figure out your actions and deeds and to keep Allah's satisfaction in mind with whatever it is that you do throughout your life, throughout your everyday life. That is what will slowly build one's iman and faith to the point that slowly they get detached from this dunya. Why? Because dunya will flash itself to them, left and right. All the flashy stuff it has, it'll show it to them, But when the haram of the dunya comes up, they turn away from it. Well, if dunya was everything for them, they would go for it. When you turn away from a haram, brothers and sisters, that flashy haram, that is one step towards detachment. That itself was an instance of detachment from dunya. Slowly these observances of the harams, of the wajibat, they will accumulate and one's iman grows and before you know it, as you've gotten a little older, you are more interested in the Akhira than you are in the dunya. Versus the guy for 50, 60, 70 years who's been doing whatever he wanted. Why? Because it's all about me, it's all about this dunya. You can't expect this person to listen to a lecture by Mulana. And Mulana says, we should not be attached to dunya. He's like, good thing you said that from this day forward, I won't be attached. That ain't how it works. That's not how it works. This is something that has to be worked on. I'm not saying miracles are not possible. I'm not saying that you know there will be exceptions. All I'm saying is it's going to get super hard for a person who has been this attached to dunya to the point where wajib and haram doesn't matter for them. It's going to be super hard for them to change their ways. It starts from now, brothers and sisters. But even if someone has grown older, there's still hope for them if they make a firm decision um, to follow the way of God. And so for the younger ones who are listening, inshallah, and lots of the stuff that I'm talking about these sessions are for the younger ones. These are the messages of the Qur'an. We're going through each of these lessons of every page for this reason. Because when you go through them you get a taste of all the different lessons that the Qur'an has to tell you. But then all in all there's an underlying theme within all of these lessons and stories and that is Allah, 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 Allah's satisfaction and then as a result of Allah's satisfaction, Akhira, Akhira, Akhira. The rest is just details on the side, all right? The rest is secondary. Okay, moving on to page number 16, it speaks about sorcery during the time of Prophet Sulaiman During the time of Sulaiman there's a lot of interesting things there are a lot of interesting things that are going on right if you watch a a movie has been made in Iran on Prophet Suleiman, I think it's called uh, the Kingdom of Solomon or something like that and I think it's uh, you can find it online with uh, with subtitles Um, but the thing is I haven't gotten a chance actually to watch it and maybe I should but um, I have seen the trailer for it years ago when I was in Qom and so I from what I remember it really looks like a Harry Potter movie and for the record, I haven't seen any of those either. Just saying, but like, you know, you hear about what this stuff's all about. So, like, anyway, um, it was an interesting time, the time of Prophet Sulaiman. <laughs> uh, he, the wilaya taqweeniyah he has, how he's able to manipulate nature, him and Prophet Dawood, the Quran speaks about them, how he's able to communicate with the animals how he's able to subjugate the jinn and how like very extraordinary things happen during his time, like bringing the throne of the Queen of Sheba all the way to his land and his lands. Okay, so it's a very, very interesting time. I mean, it's not like you just run into a jinn or something once in the time of Prophet Sulaiman. No, no, like he is interacting with them, he's communicating with them. They're doing work for him, the Qur'an tells us. All these things that I said are in the Qur'an, by the way. Okay, so it's a very, very interesting time, and sorcery, black magic, things like that were happening during his time as well. So there are, I want to give you some of the history of it, a little bit of it that's relevant to the verse um, that we're going to recite. And then there's there, there are one or two lessons I want to draw from this, which are very important and relevant to us um, today. Alright, so the uh, this is verse 102 of surah Bakara, and it's one of my favorite verses by the way I, I have a lot of favorite verses but this is one of them okay so it says what tabau ma tatlu ash-shayatin ala mulk sulaiman wama kafara sulaiman walakin ash-shayatin kafaru yuallimuna an-nas as-sihr wama unzila ala al-malakayn bibabil harut wa marut وما يعلمان من أحد حتى يقولا إنما نحن فتنة فلا تكفر فيتعلمون منهم ما يفرقون به بين المرء وزوجه وما هم بضارين به من أحد إلا بإذن الله ويتعلمون ما يضرهم ولا ينفعهم ولقد علموا لمن اشتراه ماله في الآخرة من خلاق and they followed what the devils pursued during Sulaiman's reign. And Sulaiman did not turn faithless. Did not turn faithless. But it was the devils who were faithless. Now, devils is the translation they've used, but the verse says, Shayateen. Okay, But it was the devils or the shayateen who were faithless. What were they doing? Teaching the people magic. And of course it was probably black magic, of course. And what was sent down to the two angels at Babylon. So they were teaching the people magic and that which was sent down to the two angels at Babylon, Harut and Marut. So these shayateen, this is what they're teaching the people. And they would not teach anyone. These two angels... who who had also magic. I'll talk about this a little bit. They would not teach anyone without telling that person, we're only a test, so do not be faithless. But what did the people who were learning from these angels do with the magic and sorcery they were learning? But they would learn from those two that with which they would cause a split between man and his wife. So a husband and a wife, like they're just living their lives, no problem, all of a sudden they would do something that would cause a split between that husband and wife. Let me open a parenthesis here, I know I'm reading the translation of the verse, but I don't think I'll be able to come back to this or I might forget or it just might be irrelevant later as we go into the lesson we learn from these verses or this verse. But I want to say this, brothers and sisters, just because um, just because uh, a husband and a wife are having issues, okay? doesn't mean that necessarily someone has do, done a, a talism on them or there's some jadu or black magic or something involved here. Not necessarily. Lots of times it goes back to other issues, right? It goes back to what happened in the past, what happened during the marriage, what the parents did, things like that, what the guy did, what the what the girl did, all these kinds of things might come up and resurface again, might cause issues lots of times. It's not that the rule is when a husband and wife are having issues, that there's some jadu involved, or there's some black magic involved, or someone's doing something, or, or playing with some voodoo dolls or something somewhere, you know? So let's keep that in mind, okay? Parentheses closed. Let's go back to the translation of the verse now. So, they would learn from those which they would cause that which they would use to cause a split between a, a husband and a wife. Though they could not harm anyone with it, except with Allah's permission. Well, this is something I'll talk about later. Allah's permission. "...and they would learn that which would harm them and bring them no benefit, though they certainly knew." Okay, this is important again. You see, they know something. Remember previous verses? Things were sent down to certain people, they recognized it, but they turned away. Here also it says, "...though they certainly knew that anyone who acquires it has no share of the hereafter." And no share in the hereafter. Surely evil is that for which they sold their souls. Once again, we see a transaction happening. Brothers and sisters, selling your akhirah for dunya. Surely evil is for what for which they sold their souls. La bi sama That's not a very, I would say, accurate translation even. Surely evil is that for which they sold their souls. No, let's, let's say, surely what a horrible thing they sold their souls for. لَبِئْسَ <inaudible> مَا What a horrible, worthless thing. It's the worst thing you could have gotten. Right? It, it kind of reminds me of Jack and the Beanstalk. What happened to poor Jack where he comes home, sold the cow, the last asset that they had, him and his mom, his mom's like, "All right, what'd you get?" He's like, "I got three beans in return." Like, she's like, "What in the world is wrong with you?" She threw those beans outside. And he got lucky; those were special beans. But hey, beans aren't always going to be special, people. <laughs> so here, when it says "La <laughs> bi like, this is the worst deal. This is the worst thing you could do. Yeah, it reminds of uh, reminds us of what the lesson we learned from page thirteen. You see, there's a theme recurring in the lessons of the Quran. All right. Surely, what a horrible thing they sold their souls for had they known. If only they know. If only they knew how horrible what they got in return was. What did they get in return? We'll talk about that. They sold their akhirah. what did they get in return? We'll talk about what they got in return. There's a ton of stuff to talk about in this verse. Number one, this verse is a tough verse to understand. Remember in the beginning of the translation I said devil, they've used the equivalent of devil in this translation. Um, in which usually I use the translation of Ali because I find it the most accurate. But even there, sometimes, you know, there will be some difference of opinion, which is fine. The word here that has been used is devils. But Shayatin was the Arabic. Why do I point this out? Because some commentators of of this of the Qur'an, some of the mufassirun of the Qur'an have said, what, what is meant by shayateen is the bad people of the human race, not the jinn race. So not devils or shayateen in that sense, but people who are shayateen. Others have said, no, it's the devils themselves, the shayateen of the jinn, not the Shayatin of ins and humans. right? Anyway, all in all, I want to let you guys know this one thing here that Allama Tabatabai, طبع who is one of the greatest, of course, commentators of the Holy Qur'an, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many, he has said that, and he's done the survey himself, and he's looked into all of the previous tafsirs of his time, and he has said that, look, the commentators of Quran have a strange difference of opinion on this verse. In other words, like I haven't seen anything like it before. <laughs> That's it's strange how much difference of opinion we have on this verse and uh, interpreting it and understanding it. Such that you won't find another verse with this much difference in it. Okay, so this is a tough verse, but I'm going to share with you the uh, the version that Allah Tabai and maybe others have spoken of that I feel might be the most that kind of we can at least agree with and make sense this much of it I'm going to share with you okay so that we can give it some context and then take our lesson away from it the story goes like this as I said the time of Prophet Suleiman is an interesting and strange and unprecedented time of a lot of interesting things happening extraordinary things happening okay all the way till his death Like the jinn were working for him until his death. And other verses of the Qur'an tell us that he was leaning on his cane, and while he was leaning on his cane, and the jinn were doing work for him, he passed away in that state. And after a long time, when insects ate ate away at his cane, and he finally fell, that's when the jinn found out, oh my God, He's dead. We don't even have to work anymore. <laughs> we didn't have to work a long time ago even. Yeah, but they didn't know. So the jinn were working for him till his death. All right, having said all of that, it's an, it's, a, it's a very strange time. A lot of strange stuff is happening. Sorcery is one of them. Black magic is happening. And so the accounts tell us that what Prophet Sulaiman did was he would try to store as many of these papers and parchments and I don't know, stones and sticks and deer skin and these, uh, whatever they're called, these talismans and uh, talismans uh, or talismans that they call them. He was storing all of these with all of those uh, spells on them and stuff, storing them in a place to use, to counter all of the black magic that was out there. All right. That's a pretty interesting detail that not a lot of people are aware of. So, he was storing all of them probably for this purpose, they say. What happens is, after Prophet Sulaiman dies, and people dig up these things or gain access to these things, is when they're like, whoa, wait a minute here, what was Sulaiman? Was he really a prophet? Because all the weird stuff that was happening in his time, we don't see it or we don't hear about it happening when it comes to previous prophets, what's going on here? Was he really a prophet even? Or was he a sorcerer? Look at all this stuff we found. Wow. So this is that happened. That some people have thought that he was a sorcerer, not even a prophet to begin with. SubhanAllah. Alright. Why am I saying all of this? Because if you paid attention, the beginning of the verse says, Wama Kafara Sulaiman Wala shayatin kafaru. It wasn't Suleyman who was a sorcerer kafir, a disbeliever because of the sorcery and all of that. It was the shayateen actually. What's going on? What's going on? Well, the mufassirun tell us, the, these commentators of Qur'an and interpreters of Qur'an, they tell us that, and they share accounts where it says that the Holy Prophet ﷺ, the Yahud of his time, when they noticed him speaking of Prophet Sulaiman as a prophet, they're like, well, no, wait a minute here. They were calling the Holy Prophet sallallahu out. They were calling him out saying, he wasn't a prophet, he was a sorcerer. He's a kafir. Na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah. We seek refuge in Allah from such a statement. And so the Prophet, this, this verse was revealed that, no, 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 no. You're basing your judgment on what they what they found. After his death, but that was for good reasons. That he was keeping those, yeah, and preserving these parchments and whatnot. There, was, there was a good reason for it. He didn't. He wasn't kafir because of sorcery. Those shayateen and what they did, and also the people who learned from Harut and Marut, who Allah had sent, to neutralize the black magic of people with good with, with the magic, and teaching the people how to counter that black magic. But it's like a double-edged sword. You can use a sword to defend yourself when someone's attacking you, but you can also use it in an offensive way to take someone's life unjustly. So the Harut and Marut, when they were teaching the people this magic, they're like, don't use it for the wrong purposes. But there were some people who used it for the wrong purposes. So this verse, it's it's exonerating Prophet Suleiman a.s. But now the lesson that we want to learn from all of this is this. Brothers and sisters, Harut and Marut, They're telling the people that we are a test. Straight up they're telling them, this is your test. Be careful how you use it. Use it to counter the black magic, the negative magic that's used against you. But the people, what did they do? They misused it. And they sold their akhirah as a result. Okay. There are two points here I want to make. Number one, it says... وما هم بضارين به من أحد إلا بإذن الله. They were if they were gonna harm anyone, it was it wasn't happening except with Allah's permission. This has Tawheed to the max. What does that mean? What am I trying to say here? That even when something bad is happening in this life, anything anyone does with their free will, it's true that they're the ones who are deciding to do it. But in the end, Allah's permission is there still. Allah's permission is there. Don't think that just because I'm making a decision, good or bad, Allah has nothing to do with it anymore. If Allah doesn't give permission for this to happen, it won't happen. And the only reason He's giving permission for it to happen, if it's something bad that you're doing, is because that's what this life is for. It is a test. How else are you going to test? He has to give permission. But don't think God is like some far off entity somewhere living in some far far off planet who has nothing to do with this world now because people are doing evil things. No Allah's permission Allah's permission is there always. Allah is part of everything. We have to remember that. This is pure Tawheed. Right? Someone might say, but then why is he letting bad things to happen? He's not letting bad things to happen. This life was is made for us to come in in it and be able to be tested. That's what it's all about. If He's going to stop us from doing the bad things, then that's going to defeat the purpose. He might as well just put us in Jannah straight straight up. And that's going to defeat the purpose too. We're supposed to come here and build our Jannah or our Jahannam ourselves. Okay, and there's a lot to talk about here, but this is not a theology class. I don't want to get into the certain details and time is running out as well. And so I want to get to another point. So the first point is the pure Tawheed that's in this verse. These people think with their black magic and all the crazy negative bad stuff they're doing, they're on top of everything. It's all about me now. No, it's not all about you. Still, Allah is still in the equation. Don't think He's out of the equation. Number one. Number two point. You'll say, okay, what are these people doing all of this for? If they are, if the verse says, وَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ that they would learn that which would harm them and bring them no benefit, then why are you doing it? This is so dumb of you. You're learning something that is only harming you, where? In the akhirah, of course, and has no benefit for you. Then tell me, what are you gaining from it here in this life at least? And this is where I want us to pay attention as Muslims today. What were they getting out of it? Well, I think it's pretty obvious what they're getting out of it, it's cool, it's awesome. We are always interested, brothers and sisters, we're always interested in the extraordinary stuff, the inaccessible, the rave, the unseen, the occult stuff, the juicy stuff, right? That's what we're after. Now, sometimes it's extraordinary things, sometimes it's even information about others. Why do people like to backbite so much? It's information. Well, these tabloids, like, you know, 90% of it is probably made up anyway. But it's just nice because it's, like, different. We're after that different stuff, you know, unfortunately. It's not enough that we have 600 plus pages of the Qur'an teaching us about all the good stuff that's gonna come later. Don't worry, you'll see it. Just give it some time, have some patience, you know? No, 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 no. I I'm 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 living the now. I want to live in the now. That's the problem. And so these people, what are they getting in return? Nothing in the akhira. As a matter of fact, they were warned that this you're selling your akhira for this kind of stuff. If you're gonna use it in the wrong way, and they sold it. They 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 shook Shaitan's hand as the broker and dealt away their akhira for what? For some of the cool stuff, right? Some of the extraordinary stuff that they get out of of life here, out of the black magic here. So the lesson brothers and sisters, stick to the solid stuff. All this extra stuff out there of you know, oh my God someone had a dream like this, or someone has a magical special power like that, you know, this person this, who cares? I'm going to stick to the Qur'an and the hadiths. The Qur'an hadiths, they're telling me, look, don't worry too much about this uh, magical stuff, or seeing an angel, or or summoning a jinn, all that. We don't find that in the Qur'an. What we find in the Qur'an is Allah, 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 work towards Allah's satisfaction, Akhirah, Akhirah, Akhirah. Your parents, righteousness, charity, things like that is what is boldened in the Qur'an. And then what do we find? We find our people sometimes, unfortunately, forwarding like some video that you can tell is not even true. I wish it was true at least. It's made up or it's just some uh, some coincidence that something started moving or something started coming down from the sky or whatever it was. And that's like a sign for them that, oh my God, Allahu Akbar, like this is This is proof that we're on the Haqq and Truth." No, no, the proof that you're on Haqq and Truth is that you got 600 plus pages of the Qur'an. That how much of it have we learned or tried to learn? That's what it's all about. Stick to the solid stuff, brothers and sisters and younger guys out there, younger people out there. Don't worry about being cool or uncool, or having fun or not fun, all that stuff. Okay, whatever, you can try to do that. But when it comes to choosing between dunya and akhira, this should not be something that is going to be a deciding factor in the decisions that we make it's just cuz something's extraordinary or different or cool or i have fun in it and fun with it these people with the black magic they were having fun with it that's what it was they take when you split up a husband and wife what are you getting out of it nothing it's just cool though that i i can like i can you know point my finger and like this will happen you know, magical powers, all of our, you know, these kids who watch cartoons, before you know it, this guy wants to be like the X-Men, wants to fly, wants to, I don't know, go super saiyan or something, all these things. These things, they're cool, but they're not the goal of life. If you're not getting anything out of it, okay, be careful not to sell your akhira for it. You You want to have halal fun, that's fine, you want to have halal cool stuff that's fine all that but these are not the priorities necessarily and never ever will we sell our akhirah for them we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take care of us and to watch out for us and to keep us on the straight path of guidance and to get our priorities straight walhamdulillahirabbil alamin allahumma nawwir qulubana bil qur'an wazayyin akhlaqana bil qur'an wanjina minan Nari bil qur'an وأدخلنا الجنة بالقرآن اللهم اجعل القرآن لنا في الدنيا قرينا وفي القبر مونسا وعلى الصراط نورا وفي الجنة رفيقا ومن النار سترا وحجابا وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته